Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Today is Friday, April 17th, 2015, and you're listening to the Music Therapy Show. I am Janice Lindstrom, the host of this show. I've been doing it for almost seven years at the end of the month. It'll be seven years. Wow. Um to talk about music therapy. And so if you want to talk about music therapy or ask questions about music therapy, you can call in to 646-652-2850. You can listen through that number, and you can also listen through my website, heartbeatmusictherapy.net, and the show podcasts about 15 minutes after the live show ends. Today I'm excited to have a guest on we're talking about open source course management systems and mobile technology that allows many more universities and colleges to enter the online learning market and to expand their students' enrollments. The developments also impact and influence higher education and music therapy. However, faculty and students alike need to be trained to build effective online learning communities. This process includes reforming of personal relationships and rethinking of pedagogical concepts, transforming content, and getting familiar with new technology. And today I'm speaking with Dr. Petra Kern about lessons learned from the 17 three-credit music therapy courses taught at three universities in the United States, as well as various online guest lectures conducted worldwide. And later on, we'll also do a shout-out to her students to learn about their online learning experiences. Petra, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much, Janice, for inviting me back to your music therapy show and also providing the service to our music therapy community. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's a lot of fun for me. And I try to also, in addition to talk th- about things that relate to our music therapy community, to also educate the public about music therapy. And I always get questions about uh, how to become a music therapist. And I know that probably online instruction isn't how one initially becomes a music therapist, but there are some online classes that one can take. And you always embrace change and innovation and technology. Which uh, which developments and trends of the online world have you observed over the past 20 years, and how, how did our field hold up? Well, it's always fascinating to me, Janice, to think about how fast things develop in the online world and how we are affected as music therapy practitioners and educators and researchers. So looking back into the history of that whole development, just imagine the World Wide Web was not available to the public until 1994. So when I was actually studying, there was no World Wide Web really available for me as a student. And then online education did not start before the dot-com boom, which was between 1999 and 2001. And that was also around the time when Music Therapy World, created by Dr. David Aldrich and his team in Wittenhautica in Germany, started as well as uh, Voices, a World Forum for Music Therapy. So this was around 2001. And in 2003, we went into social media. I don't know if you, you remember um, 
MySpace Janice, uh, which was followed by Facebook in 2004 and then Twitter in 2006. So I joined Facebook actually in 2006 when the students of the AMTS, the American Music Therapy Association for Students, friended me as their national student advisor. I only had student friends for a while out there until other adventurous colleagues joined me around 2008. And I think one was actually uh, Michelle Kenimer, which you know really well, um, who was a student advisor or still is uh, for uh, one of the regions in the United States. And that was also then uh, when we started the World Federation's website. So this was the early beginnings. But mobile technology such as the iPhone and uh, came on the market in 2007 and the iPad in 2010. So this is only five years. And I think it has changed how we provide uh, online education and education in general, also how we do practices quite a bit. Um, we saw in 2011 music therapy degree programs who offered online courses and then also distance learning graduate degree programs emerged. And the first one which offered equ uh, equivalency degree program was in 2012, the St. Mary of the Woods College in Indiana. So they have been the first ones. And the latest trends in online teaching are actually the MOOCs you might have heard about. It's the massive open online courses. And along with mm -hmm. those short-term courses uh, came several online continuing education courses for music therapists by organizational providers, uh, but also by music therapy entrepreneurs. And I think right now, Janice, we are moving in a totally different era. It's called the age of context, where big data is analyzed and catered to our interests. So that means, for example, when I'm searching for information about autism spectrum disorders on the web, I receive related information that might interest me, uh, which shows up on the sidebar or my Facebook timeline and so forth. So this is where we're going with this and where we're coming from. That's fascinating. Um, it's hard to believe that we did things without the Internet, because I, I know I went to school before the Internet existed, um, but it's hard to imagine living without our smartphones now. So right. what does research say about online education? Yeah, I was actually looking up some data for you, uh, and one of the biggest study which is done every year is the Babson Survey Report on online learning. And I pulled the data from 2014, which is the latest one for you. So three data points I want to give you because it really shows how we have shifted more or less uh, to a mainstream form of online de delivery in higher education. And uh, so the report says, for instance, that 37.2% of the students in higher education are taking at least one online course now. That's a small increase to last year, but there's still an increase. And 74.1% of the academic leaders rated learning outcomes in online education uh, as same or superior to those in face-to-face -face environments. So the myth of saying that online um, education is less value, valuable than face-to-face uh, -face teaching is really not true anymore. Um, and that's what the data says. And then the last number I want to give you is 70.8% of the chief academic, academic leaders, like the deans and so forth, agreed that online education is critical to the long-term strategy of the institutes. And that's quite an increase from last year, meaning 
all the academic institutes are going to look into online teaching in the future, meaning it's not a question if we like it or not. I think it's a question uh, for us to find out how we do it well. So how do you do it well? What does it take to be excellent in providing online instruction? <laughs> That's a good question, and it, it's a little bit a longer answer, and you uh, addressed the four areas already in your introduction, Janice. Um, that actually comes from a writing from Dr. Rena Palov and her colleagues. She is a co-author of many books addressing online learning, and I had the privilege to meet her last April uh, to talk about online learning and teaching with her. And she pointed out four main areas that need to be reconsidered for providing excellence in online instruction. Those are the persona, so who are you online, the pedagogy, the content, and then, of course, the technology. Do you want me to get into this a little bit and give you some examples? I'm very interested in that. Okay, and you you stop me or ask me a question when I'm talking too much here. Okay, so the first first point is to rethink uh, the personal relationships. So when I went into online teaching, I really have to think about who am I online? So which persona am I? How do I relate to my students? How do I interact with my students? And how do we respond to each other? Because it's not like you're walking into the classroom and you can give them a smile and make a joke. You know, the humor is very hard online and so forth. So... To give you some examples, uh, how I started out with my online courses, and maybe later on you can do a shout-out to my students and ask them how they feel about this. Um, I always start with a getting-to-know-you series. So this is a series of assignments where students have to come online to a virtual cafe and they um, post their interests beyond the course content. Uh, they give me web links about music recordings or videos they like or their own recordings from their bands and so forth. I share some personal things like what I did over the summer, what my favorite summer hit was, or that I have been in Europe for the World Congress of Music Therapy last year and what the main um, highlights were for me or something like that. So just that that we get a feel for each other. And then I ask all of them to also post selfies and send me a personal message because I want to have a face with the name online so that I can connect uh, this way with them. And uh, then we do a live chat, and there we clarify the expectations, my expectations, the students' expectations. Um, We talk about the course routines and the assignments and so forth. And what's also very important for me is uh, a clear outline on uh, the course policies in the syllabus where um, I make clear what my expectations are for netiquette and how to write Mm -hmm. complete sentences online, you know, no shortcuts in my classes, uh, that it's content-driven postings uh, to give positive feedback as we do it also, you know, as a music therapist in our sessions, and to give constructive suggestions uh, in the discussion forums and so forth. So we're setting kind of the stage of how we interact, and, and we also use social media such as Facebook and Twitter to keep each other informed. We have a hashtag for each course. And um, and then I make it very clear how they can actually contact me because I'm not visible, but I am visible in different means. So we just I'm visible on the screen, on the iPhones, on the uh, other mobile devices and so forth. The so students see always that I'm uh, with them in the learning process. So that would be how we build personal relationships. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, and it's the same for the students. They have to think the same way, you know. How do I become a person in the online environment for my, for my professor, you know? Um, how do I interact and so forth? And it's quite interesting because I think especially international students, they're doing actually really well in online means because they have the time to reflect uh, what is asked and then give an informed uh, answer, whereas in a in an uh, on-campus uh, class, you know, it might then take them longer to think about and process from the language perspective or from a cultural perspective what to answer. Uh, so, you know, there, there are pros and cons to that. And then looking into the second element, which is the uh, rethink the pedagogic concepts. Uh, so that's also a big uh, thing. I have the philosophy going after the Chinese proverb that says, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, engage me and I learn. So in mm -hmm. my class, it's all about engaging the students meaningfully with the course content. So my role as a professor is actually a different one. I'm the facilitator of the learn of learning. So I have to kind of framework the content, which is the next uh, concept. But um, yeah, I had to reorganize my courses and think in modules with weekly learning objectives, uh, retool my materials and digitalize everything that uh, were online journals, digital textbooks, uh, course matrix, video glossaries, TEDx podcasts. Your radio show, Janice, <laughs> all those are oh. great things, yeah, which come in handy, which I'm assigned to students then to listen, you know. So I think, you know, your radio show, I'm looking for the uh, content you have on there, and so there might be a link and students have as an introduction into topic to listen to your show and then go into the course content further, deeper into it. Mm -hmm. And oh, wow. one other thing is, yeah is rethinking the assignments uh, so they become really the core of instruction versus the lecture. So we are actually hmm. going away from lecturing in online courses. So the assignments need to be to build the community of learners and engage everyone with the course material. The engagement is the big word here, which is also for, I think, face-to-face uh, -face teaching, uh, uh, a good thing to do. <laughs> So then we come to the rethink uh, of the content delivery. So this is, um, I need my students to really explore the content. Uh, all my courses are competency-based. I look at the MTA um, competencies, which are built into each module, into each assignment, and so forth. Um, and I think outlining clear expectations and deadlines and step-by-step -step description of assignments and being transparent with your grading rubrics is very important for on for the students on their end. So finally, my students, they need to buy into a journey of exploration and discovery. <laughs> they take mm -hmm. they need to take responsibility for their own learning. So I cannot really do the uh, I tell you and you learn. So they have to be responsible for their own learning and engage with the material. And they need to make use of the online learning community and everything which is out there. And my role is actually I need to constantly monitor that they are on track and be visible in their learning journey. And then the final part, which is the technology, and I think that's the most frightening for educators but also for students. <laughs> but I like technology, so um, I like to take that risk and try out new things. So yesterday I was just trying out with the Augsburg College IT department the new Google Hangout on Air, which is a broadcasting tool actually. Um, so just 
seeing what's out there always, so that in- interests me. But the technology uh, can be challenging, and especially because there's a constant change, and you have to be on your toes all the time, um, and also my students. And it's also different universities uh, use different course management systems, such as Blackboard or Moodle. And, you know, you as an instructor have not a lot to say what the university is using, so you just have to learn over and over again uh, whatever the university offers you as a platform. Um, but in general, the technology should support the learning objectives and address also various learning styles. That's what I like. You know, you can really set the course for auditory learner by having more podcasts, you radio show on there, be virtual learners by having videos on there, and then kinesthetic learning is also part of it. And um, I also like to embed technology in my assignments, so my students they get really tech-savvy, <laughs> as they might tell you. And I always look for things which they can use in music therapy practice, like GarageBand, iMovies, apps, and so forth. So then people often ask me, so when do you use on-site synchronous or asynchronous courses and in instruction? So on-site, I usually use uh, for hybrid courses to kick off the course, to get to know the students, and maybe I come back for final exams. And synchronous courses, mm -hmm, I like for guest lectures, uh, to invite uh, people into my virtual classroom, or for student meetings, or when I have to uh, ask for feedback and want to encourage feedback. And then the acronym modules are mainly to set up individual and teamwork for my students. And then the last part, which I want to mention under technology, is also the uh, student assessment and accountability. That is something I still look what we can do there, you know, to keep students actually in the process of learning. Um, so I'm trying to create multimedia assignments, so they're using apps like the Shadow, Shadow Puppet Edu to create ebooks uh, for an assignment besides the text-based um, narrative assignments. Um, I can also make use of Turnitin or SafeAssign for papers, which screen if the papers are original work or if there are some plagiarism is going on, which is kind of easy for me then. <laughs> and then sometimes I assign team leaders or I ask for peer ratings or for stand-up reports so to make the teams accountable and so that they meet and do actually their work. So that's makes a well-designed online course when you consider all those four elements uh, and make it highly interactive in nature, I think students have a good chance to learn well in online environments. Oh, nice. So I'd like to make this show interactive in nature and invite your students to call in 646-652-2850 and give a student perspective on online learning for music therapy courses. And so while we're waiting for the students to call in, and then when they do, they'll press 1 to let me know they're ready to be on the air. Um, what are some of the benefits and drawbacks of online teaching? Well, so I can tell you, Janice, from my educator perspective, and I want my students to actually answer you the question from their perspective. But the pros for me is that I can do it. Leave online, so let's bring them on. Okay. Are they there? Hi. Hello. You're welcome to the Music Show. I've brought both of you on at the same time. So just tell me who, what is your name and where are you from? Okay. Hi. I'm Holly Hankin. Um, I'm a junior here at the University of Louisville. Hi, Holly. Um, is there another person? 
Oh. Hi, I'm Madison Whalen. Um, I'm also from the University of Louisville. Hi, Madison. Hi. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, no problem. So what do you like or dislike about music therapy online courses? And um, just to make it easier for the the radio, um, Holly, why don't you answer that question first and then give Madison an opportunity to share her thoughts. Okay, sure. Um, something that I really like about the online community is that um, as students in our generation, we're using technology all the time. So it's something that's very familiar to us. And it also makes it very accessible when we all have crazy schedules and we don't have time to meet up together in person. We can get online and work together like in the late hours of the night when we're all kind of home in our apartments and stuff. So that makes it really nice. And I think one difficulty with um, using a lot of technology in the classroom is that there's a lot of margin of error as far as like things going wrong, like if the internet connection isn't working or something like that, that can cause a little bit of delay in what we're trying to do. But typically it seems to go pretty well. Yeah, I I agree with Holly. Um, when everything is going well, I think the online aspect of, like, courses with Dr. Kern are really great. And it's just when the technology fails that you run into problems and struggle with, um, you know, getting everything in. And who do I go to to fix this if you don't know how? Right. And I believe another student has joined us, so I'm going to bring that person on. Welcome to the Hi. Music Therapy Show. Hi. Thanks. This is Audrey um, from one of Dr. Kern's classes. Welcome. So, um, how, Audrey, why don't you answer this next question? How do you feel, or do you feel that you learn as much in uh, on as in on-campus yeah. courses? I think I do um, because I'm forcing myself to learn the material. It's being taught to me, but in a different way that I'm actually having to um, process it on my own. And um, it's neat that we have the class together. That way we can kind of rely on each other when we completely don't understand what's going on. Um, so I think I get just as much, if not more, because not only that, but I'm learning how to use new technology that I might be using with future clients. So it's a great experience. Okay. So I'm going to throw this next question out to all three of you. And so when you are ready to answer, just say what your name is and then give your answer. And uh, and we'll work out the talking over people. We'll just take turns. Um, so in what way does technology get in your way or make you stronger? Well, I guess I could start. This is Audrey. Okay. Um. I think the thing that gets in the way is when I have my computer open, there's 80 other things that I would sometimes rather be doing, whether it be Facebook or watching Netflix. Um, so the self-motivation can be hard with technology, just forcing yourself to actually do the work. Um, that's really the only obstacle I've come across with the technology, um, besides for the basics of learning the new systems when things are updated or changed. Okay. Holly or Madison, Madison, you want to? Okay. Um, sure. I'll... I think. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Madison. First. <laughs> I think that um, tech the technology really allows us to communicate better, not only between classmates 
um, but between professor, it's hard when your professor isn't actually physically there with you every class period. So you're able to, um, there are so many different ways that you can get in touch with somebody besides just emailing. And we've used a couple of different methods of talking with Dr. Curran throughout the course of um, this class. And it's been really beneficial. You get instant feedback. Um, and you you really are able to better um, explore thoughts and ideas with another person. I think that technology definitely makes, for my, like my experience during this class, a lot stronger because it offers so many platforms to talk to people when we're working in groups together. So it, it's hard for me to imagine. I know you, you both were talking earlier about college before your technology or like before computers and the internet um, were like a part of collaboration and that sounds really hard for me because um, it's really hard to get in touch with people sometimes even with all the technology that we do have. So um, having like Facebook, the virtual classroom, um, Skype and Google Docs is, has been really helpful to collaborate and work on things together. Okay. So how, what do you think music therapy education will look like in 20 years? Well, I guess so. It's Audrey again. Okay. Um, I honestly think classrooms in general um, with the university setting are going to become obsolete. I think that with the way the children of the millennium generation are learning. It's all online based and we're surrounded by technology all day, every day. So um, I think even more can be incorporated and I would love to see more classes being taught from specialists from all over the U.S. or the world. You know, we have Dr. Kern all the way in California and we live in Louisville. So um, it's really bridging that gap and giving us the best kind of educational experience without having to move. Um, so we're getting the best teachers without having to add extra costs, which is a great experience. Right. Mm -hmm. I certainly Holly. agree with Audrey. This is Holly again. And um, okay. I think that as in, in 20 years, the technology will change so much. I think it's hard to even predict what it would be like because 10 years ago, technology was nowhere near what it is now. But I'm sure it will involve a lot more um face-to-face -face interaction using technology, like more Skype-based things, but through the school programs. Mm -hmm. And Madison, you want to weigh in on that one? Yes, I certainly think that um, I think technology will be used a lot more within courses. Um, I don't know if we'll be so far, you know, along that we won't be able to have class physically or lectures in general, but... I hope the therapy world is able to, um, like, better collaborate with people using technology just because the fact that um, we're kind of a, a field that isn't always very concentrated. So seeing things from different perspectives and from other music therapists in the field across the country and across the globe would be really great in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, it, Madison and Holly and Audrey, thank you so
so much for calling in to the show. I really appreciate you giving your point of view as a student in an online music therapy course. Petra, what do you think music therapy education will look like in 10 years, 20 years? Uh, hard to tell. It's it's uh, all fiction if I would talk about it, but uh, everything what uh, my students already said, I, I believe that higher education will change dramatically and it will not look like it looks right now. And with the technology-driven future, I think that will majorly influence how we will teach music therapy in the future. All right. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show and bringing your students on the show to talk about this. I find it fascinating because uh, I'm about to become a professor myself, so um, I appreciate the points of view. Is there anything else that you'd like to share, or how can people contact you if they have questions? Mm-hmm. So people can personally contact me through my website at www.musictherapy.biz. I also want to invite all the listeners to come on our Facebook pages of the University of Louisville Music Therapy and Augsburg College Music Therapy. And I have actually a special invitation for next Friday. Uh, we are doing a free webinar where two of the students who have been online, Madison and Holly, plus eight other students are uh, presenting their research proposal of their Introduction to Music Therapy course in an online webinar where people can call in or come in through a guest link and uh, listen to them and give feedback. Oh, neat. Well, uh, thanks for being on the air with me today. I really appreciate you all participating in the show. So once again, I'm going to thank Audrey and Holly and Madison, students of Dr. Petra Kern at the University of Louisville, Kentucky. And thank you, Dr. Petra Kern, for being on the show today. Uh, thanks, all of you who are listening to this show, and I really appreciate the professors that give this show as an assignment to their students to listen to. Um, most of the time, I just do this show to entertain myself, and it's nice when I can share what entertains me with other people. Next week, on Friday, April 24th, we're going to have another edition of the Mommy Support Group uh, show. So Amy Zuniga is going to be joining me, and we'll talk about issues related to being a parent. So if you're interested, you can contact me at heartbeatmusictherapy.net. To find out more about this show and other topics, you can also call into the show each week when it's on, 646-652-850. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for participating in the show today, and I'll see you all next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.